Welcome to episode 34 of The First Fire. My name is James. I'm joined by my co-host as usual, Grant. Do you want to say hi, Grant? Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode. This is going to be an interesting episode. You should learn some interesting facts about evacuation. So, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, cheers, Grant. So in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, evacuation uh, and how the rules about evacuation came about and why on the remote chance you might need to evacuate an aircraft and what you should be prepared to do. And we'll finish talking about this with some interesting facts from the NTSB. That's the National Transport and Safety Board from the United States. And they conducted a safety study uh, in 2000 about emergency evacuation on aircraft. So we're just going to discuss some of those facts from that uh, study. Hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the previous episode, we discussed data monitoring, and we were lucky to have Matt with us, who was involved in data monitoring from my previous airline. But anyway, moving on now, let's get into this passenger evacuation episode. But let's firstly look at how the rules come about for a passenger evacuation and the background of how an aircraft meets its certification for evacuating. So ideally, a manufacturer would only have a couple of doors built into their aircraft, as it would be cheaper and lighter to manufacture. Also, an airline operator only needs a couple of doors uh, on its aircraft, as the airline is only really interested in getting you off the aircraft as quickly as possible so they can get the next load of passengers on quickly and get going again. The problem, luckily for the travelling public, is that the aviation regulators demand safety over profits, and hence they require a lot more doors with things like expensive slides or life rafts packed into them uh, in case of extremely unlikely events that you're going to need to get out of the aircraft in a hurry, to be honest. Yeah. So a part of the certification process, an aircraft manufacturer is required by the regulators to show that an aircraft, when it's set up in its maximum density configuration for passenger operations, they need to demonstrate that it can be completely evacuated in 90 seconds. That's one and a half minutes, using only half the total number of the emergency exits. And this demonstration is done in the dark and with volunteer passengers who do not work for the airline or manufacturer. So why is it that they only use half the amount of emergency exits in an evacuation demonstration? Yeah, the reason is simply that sometimes unusable exits may be uh, blocked, say, due to a problem with structural damage around the door or even a fire outside of the exit. So they say 50% of the exits can only be used in the demonstration. And also 90 seconds was decided as the maximum evacuation time and testing of a post-fire crash as conditions that might be conducive to a flashover are not likely to occur within this time span. But remember, 90 seconds is a benchmark to set a standard. The reality will inevitably be different. So you might be thinking, how can this be that everyone must evacuate an aircraft within 90 seconds? So you've got to remember here that the 90 seconds evacuation requirement for certification is a regulatory standard. No evacuation is ever the same. But what is the same is that we expect passengers to get out as quickly as possible. And this is the point of the standard as no evacuation is ever the same. Therefore, no time limit should be placed upon yourself to evacuate, but you should be expected to evacuate as quickly as possible. So what are some of the reasons that may cause an evacuation to take longer than 90 seconds? 
Yeah. Well, the main reason is because some people think they can spend their time putting their shoes on or finding their bags in the overhead locker, thereby blocking the way for others getting to the evacuation door. Uh, Maybe trying to find a friend or a relative can cause another delay as well, are a few examples. And this is why uh, sort of cabin crew make an announcement to leave all your personal belongings and exit the aircraft immediately. Uh, Fortunately, still people will try and retrieve their personal belongings, and this will inevitably delay the evacuation. Yeah, that's right. As we mentioned, the manufacturer must demonstrate this. But whenever an airline changes the configuration, like they want to add more seats outside the original design scope of the evacuation test, then the new configuration must be retested to ensure it still meets the 90-second criteria. Yeah, that's correct. And an example of this, it did apparently occur in my old airline before I turned up, but say an aircraft manufacturer designs an aircraft intended as a three-class configuration, that is economy, business, and first class. We'll use the Boeing 767-300ER as an example. And these figures can't be confirmed, but they're pretty close. At testing a three-class configuration, that is a total of 210 people on board with 150 in economy, 42 in business, and 18 in first class. The high-density configuration was just economy was 290 passengers. However, an airline did want to increase their density to 351 passengers. That's the whole plane covered in economy seats. And there were a few changes to the doors as a regulatory requirement. And the airline in question did have to demonstrate an evacuation of 351 people in 90 seconds. So it can be changed, but if there's a configuration change or they add, well, more to the point, if they add more seats, then they have to uh, demonstrate the 90-second evacuation as part of the new certification for that amount of increase in seats. Yeah, so it brings up the point, what is a good definition of an evacuation? And when it comes to getting out of an aircraft, it is the urgent abandonment of an aircraft utilising all usable exits. Now, there are some obvious reasons why we might need to evacuate, so let's explore them. Please remember one thing, an evacuation is an extremely rare occurrence, and most of them are done as a precautionary measure. Also, the reality of an evacuation, as evidence is shown from real-life evacuations, is that not every scenario can and ever will be accounted for, and especially with an aircraft full, when something goes wrong, Soon after landing, the evacuation times usually exceed the certification times in reality. So now let's have a quick discussion as to some of the main reasons we might need to evacuate an aircraft. Yeah, so the worst case scenario is an uncontained cabin fire, and a well-trained cabin crew would more than likely prevent this. It is also why we as crew are so anti-people sneaking a cigarette in the toilet as it's potentially a fire hazard. However, if we have an uncontained cabin fire, we will get the aircraft on the ground as quickly as possible, even if it means an off-airport landing or a ditching in the sea. As I say, it's been very rare, this occurrence, uh, generally down to good cabin crew training will prevent it getting out of control. An external fire, say an engine or a cargo hold, might require us to evacuate the aircraft upon landing. Say if it's an engine fire and an engine on one side of the wing and the engine fire extinguishing system hasn't extinguished the fire, we will likely uh, order you to evacuate if the fire hasn't gone out. And generally, the exits around the wing on the side of the 
burning engine will not be used. Um, sometimes the cabin crew might evaluate that none of the exits on that whole side of the aircraft can be used. Another scenario could be, say, a landing gear has failed upon landing. Not a major issue if we as pilots can maintain directional control or just keep the aircraft close to the runway. However, as a precaution, we'll probably want you off the aircraft quickly in case we've damaged a fuel tank, which might be uh, leaking fuel, and therefore there might be a potential fire risk. So these scenarios would more than likely call for an evacuation. And when we use that term, we are really saying an emergency evacuation, which means we want you to get your butt to the nearest exit as quickly as possible and do the slide thing. However, there is another type of evacuation, and this is called a precautionary disembarkation. Yes, that's right. And uh, so a precautionary disembarkation is a controlled evacuation for safety reasons, such as fumes entering the cabin that we can't identify that are causing discomfort or a security reason, or maybe a cargo fire which has been contained by the cargo fire suppression system, but we will not want to open the cargo door until you're all off the aircraft in case of a flashback with all the fresh oxygen, and the fire might feed off that when the cargo door is open. So we will still want you off the aircraft quickly, but there is no need to start screaming at each other and other passengers to get out of the way. You just get to the exit as directed by the cabin crew and exit the aircraft. The pilots will generally brief the lead cabin crew about which doors to use and whether they're using air stairs or whether we want you to use the evacuation slides. And the crew will give you a sense of urgency to get off quickly, but not in a manner to cause you to panic or injure yourself in the process. Anyway, upon evacuating aircraft, a crew member, generally the captain, will have the unenviable task of going through the cabin and he or she will do their best to confirm that everybody is off the aircraft. And if the captain jumps off the aircraft before you, um, as a passenger, you're now the captain of the aircraft. Good luck. <laughs> uh, if you're not at a major airport, upon evacuating, the crew are going to try to settle you upwind of the aircraft, and they're going to try to keep you clear of emergency services and offering first aid, etc. You can also do your part here by helping the crew and your fellow passengers, just keeping them calm, etc. So sort of your sort of top tips uh, from your point of view, being a captain, being prepared for an evacuation, right? Yeah, okay. There's some, um, and bear in mind, let's stress this again, there's such a remote chance of you ever being involved in an evacuation. But here's some tips that uh, I've thought about and other people have thought about as well. When you sit down, have a read over the safety card, the aircraft safety card turn around and physically look at the nearest exit behind you. And obviously you can see the one in front of you. And even to the point, if you're doing a night flight, I'd count the number of rows to the exit. And remember the exit at one side of the aircraft, there's also another one directly opposite on the other side of the aircraft as well. So just having a bit of situational awareness where things are around you. And that doesn't take long to do. Another tip, keep your shoes on for takeoff and landing. These are the only times when you'll be required to get out of the aircraft, take off and landing. So leave your shoes on for takeoff and landing. As the plane starts its descent, put them back on for the landing. The last thing you want to be doing is trying to find your shoes when you need to get out in a hurry. And also, if it's a hot tarmac or the terrain is alien to your feet, you'll regret not having your feet protected in your shoes, which are scattered somewhere around in the cabin. And another point about shoes. Put them on when you use the toilet. 
the amount of people walking into the toilets and socks. I mean, it's a public toilet after all. Would you wear your socks into a public toilet? Yeah, anyway, there's nothing to do with evacuation. Another point, follow the advice of the crew. They're trained for this and they will not allow you to exit an aircraft where you could do more damage to yourself. Do not try to find your bag. If someone is blocking you trying to get their bag, swear at them and tell them to leave it alone. I'd go as far as even to push them back into the seat area to get them out of the way. They are being extremely selfish and delaying you and all those people behind you trying to get out. So give them a push, I reckon. Move them out of the way. Do what you need to do to get them out of your way and get to the door. Um, At the top of the slide, don't hesitate. Don't even think about it. You get to the slide, you just jump on that thing. Don't think, oh, we're so high. We're um, You're just delaying people. Don't think about it. Just get on the slide. Every adult's been on a slide as a kid. Nothing's changed. Just jump on the slide and enjoy the ride down. It's a damn sight better than staying on the aircraft. Now, whilst you're on that slide, just keep your heels up and your arms crossed over your chest. Most injuries actually occur when they get to the end of the slide and people hit the ground. And this is where you could strain your ankle or break a leg or something silly like that. So just jump on the slide, keep your legs up and get away from the slide after you've uh, you've had your turn on it. Also. For ladies, try to avoid wearing spiked heeled shoes. Uh, might be men nowadays. I'm not really sure what's going on on the planet. Probably the last thing, yeah, last thing I just mentioned at the bottom of the slide, get away from the slide. You need to make more room for folk coming up behind you. So help anyone get away and move upwind of the aircraft. We talk about moving upwind because if the plane is going to start smoking or it's going to catch on fire, you don't want to be downwind and have all this uh, smoke coming over, so move it upwind. And that's all I can think of. Can you think of anything else that you'd do, James? Uh, not really. I haven't been in many evacuations. <laughs> no, more about speak of personal experience. Those sound very reasonable, those yep. tips. Anyway, let's, let's carry on. Let's talk about some facts from the safety study conducted by the NTSB in 2000, as I said to in the beginning. This study was conducted, as I just said, in 2000, and was all about emergency evacuation from commercial aircraft. The study was conducted in commercial aircraft operations over a 16-month period from September 97 to June 99 in the United States, whereby there were 42 emergency evacuations. So that made one evacuation every 11 days throughout the study. And during this time, the average amount of departures per day was 336,328 flight departures. In other words, to put it in context, there was one evacuation for every 3.7 million flights. Now, let's just repeat that again. One evacuation for every 3.7 million flights. So as you can see, the chances of an evacuation are pretty remote. Yeah, we've just got the reasons for those evacuations. So 18 were for engine fires or suspected fire. Eight were for a cargo smoke or fire indication. Four for smoke in the cabin. Another four for gear failure. Three for smoking the cockpit. Another three for overrunning the runway. A bomb threat actually got two, and one for landing short of the runway, and another for a lavatory smoke warning, baggage cart collision, and APU suspected fire. 
Yeah. So that's one of each of the last one. So out of these case studies over this period, 92% of the occupants were uninjured, 6% sustained minor injuries, and 2% sustained serious injuries. And no one died in the process, which is nice because, as I say, the press seems to exaggerate everything nowadays. But you can see from the amount of evacuations over this period, it's quite doable. And the sustained serious injuries were, I think, broken legs or something like that. Yeah. And the reasons given by passengers for not watching the safety videos or demonstrations on board, 54% of people had said they'd seen it for, or the second most used excuse was they had basic knowledge around this subject, which yeah. is not a very good excuse. Yeah, so if you're a regular flyer, it's all good. But you've got to remember aircraft, every aircraft is subtly different. And it doesn't take more than a few minutes of your time to refresh your memory, have a look around. Hey, it's two minutes, it's refresh your mind. Something goes wrong, you've already thought about it. So yeah, just pay attention. It was also found that 50% of passengers, 50% took their cabin baggage with them. And the reasons that they were given were things like they had their wallet in it, their documents, their medicine, or their keys in their bag. Most evacuations, it's not catastrophic. The planes and intact, so people's thought processes, oh, I've got to get my passport or my keys out of my bag. But we've deemed that it could get a lot worse, and that's why we want you off the aeroplane. So maybe a thought to that, maybe have your keys in your pocket and your wallet in your yeah. pocket, and then you don't have to worry about it. I don't know. I, I, I mean. We're not going to change people. We can talk about as much as we like, but faced with an evacuation, people are going to go up and try and get their bags, get them out of the way. Yeah, people are going to go a bit crazy per se, because obviously uh, it's human nature to just sort of forget about, just think about your personal safety yep. and what have you. But yep. definitely if you hear, you're going to have to evacuate or something, I definitely would recommend putting your passport wallet in your pocket and then you don't have to think about your bag uh, whatsoever. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. you, you can get a new laptop, but you can't get a new life. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Anyway, to finish up, let's talk about the evacuation tests on the largest aircraft currently operating, uh, which is the Airbus A380. And in 2006, they did these tests, which required 873 for 10 passengers to evacuate the aircraft. During this test, 33 people were hurt, one got a broken leg, and 32 people received slide burns but they all got out now obviously in reality people are going to get hurt in the evacuation process hence why we have a precautionary evacuation option but the reality situation is that the injuries and being some slide burns maybe a broken leg is a lot better than staying side of the aircraft which might be filled of smoke fire yeah and that's a good point and uh I was able to use the top deck of an evacuation slide here at work, and it's it's a long way down. And I was wearing uh, my uniform pants, and man, my legs got really hot going down that slide to the point where I think if the slide was a bit longer, I might have ended up with some slide burns. But having said that, if you're evacuating, a few slide burns are a heck of a lot better than staying on an aeroplane that's that has a potential to to catch on fire. And, so just jump on that slide and enjoy it. So in summary, hope you got something out of this episode talking about evacuation. Please bear in mind there's such a remote chance of it ever occurring. The only thing I could say recommend is have a listen to the cabin crew, look at that card, look where your 
evacuation exits are before you depart and have those shoes on for takeoff and have them on for landing and going in the toilet. In the show notes, we're going to put a link to a three-minute video showing the evacuation test done on this A380 as part of its certification, and it's worth watching. Is there anything else you want to add, James? No, just remember if there's a very slight chance of an evacuation occurring, and if uh, it does occur, obviously remember uh, personally on landing, etc. just put your passport and your wallet in your pocket so you don't have any hesitation about leaving a bag when jumping out of an aircraft. Yep, so what are we going to talk about in the next episode? Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about flight uh, time limitations for crew and fatigue. Uh, which is quite interesting, especially with the new ultra-long-haul route starting up around the world over the next couple of years. Uh, So it's going to be a good one. Yep, that'll be something for you to sleep on. Very good. So from me, thank you very much to your ears for listening. And from James, have a good day and thank you for listening.